This is Forum. I'm John Michaels, Public Affairs Radio Director, here with Tom Gunlix uh, and my dog Gizmo. <laughs> uh, last year we talked, Tom, a lot about uh, how the dogs came through the COVID type of thing, and, and things are getting somewhat back to normal now, aren't they? A lot of uh, a lot of dogs still don't understand why the owners went back to work instead of being at home. I think people and dogs are still kind of struggling with the whole dynamic, and it causes behavioral issues. They can be rectified if you handle it properly, but it's it's difficult for both people and dogs. It's interesting. My dog is very well house trained, but my grandson stayed over the other night and he peed. <laughs> that's called marking, and that's a very normal thing to do. You can't get mad at him. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. If anybody has any questions about dogs, uh, it's come to you. you you've got, what, uh, Sioux Falls and Canton locations now, right? Uh, yeah, I do have my training down in our Canton location now because it's a little more isolated. And I just did my 5,550th dog here two weeks ago. So That's a lot of dogs, and uh, they all remember you. Can you think about that? Yeah, most of them do. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tom, we go way back to the 70s, 60s. Night City, Macomba uh, Disco, O'Neill Shannon Village. Uh, I didn't manage or own those, but I uh, frequented them. <laughs> you, you, you had a crowd that followed you. Yeah. If you uh, went from uh, the Macomba to one of the others, the whole crowd just moved with you. Yeah, it was Night City. I, I, I'm the one that took it over when it became Night City. Bud Brown owned it, and he had it as the, the Macomba Club. Then he made it the Macomba Disco. Then he made it Night City Disco, and then when I came in, I said, listen, drop the disco. You were a live entertainment venue, and even though you're, you're doing disco now, drop it. People, A lot of people don't like it. We brought in uh, Wolfman Jack twice yes. for those no- name changes. Yeah. He put on quite a show, but he passed at the early age of 55, a heart attack. I, you know, we, we were just talking about the fact that, uh, well, he, he worked himself too hard. I mean, he was doing stuff on both coasts. He was doing an Armed Forces Radio Network show. He was coming out on, uh, you know, live uh, locations. I remember him sitting down at the at the radio board, and he said, okay, which one's the turntable, which one's the microphone? He sat down and did a three-hour show. You know? My heavens. That's what I'm saying. Those are good memories. Yes. Those are real good memories. Sioux Falls, I, I guess, how would you categorize how different it was? It was about half the size. Well, I tell everyone, I came here to Augustana College on a basketball scholarship in 1971. I think Sioux Falls is like 70, high 70-some thousand people, and now it's 207,000 people, not counting Harrisburg, Brandon, T. And I told them it's because I came to town. That's why it grew so fast. Well, the, as the population goes, the rent goes, too, yes. which is <laughs> the other side of the coin. Yes. But, Tom, the, uh, the main thing is that uh, you put a book out back at that time. Everybody was saying, well, there's, there was mafia in town. No, there wasn't mafia in town. And I think we had a lot of the uh, uh, people that are, are witness pro- protection witness protection programs. Sioux Falls seemed to be a deposit for them. Yeah, and it's it's gone down a little bit now because of the, the size of the city. But, yeah, I couldn't believe uh, when I went through this, and it's in the book, uh, actually how many people were here that were on the witness protection program. You talked with everybody. If you ever saw you any place, any place you were working, everybody was talking to you. Mainly girls. <laughs> <laughs> There's all of my wife here. That <laughs> well, those were the times. But that's the disco times. But the uh, the thing about it is uh, you wrote that book, but now thinking over with your older uh, age, you rewrote that book. I wrote it in 1996, uh, kind of as a therapy thing, because I'd gone through so much, and uh, I just needed to kind of put it, put it out there. I uh, did a rewrite on it 
because I had so many requests. The book original has fallen apart. You can't even get it anymore. It's uh, fell apart at the seams. Had it had it done locally, and um, this one is done locally also, but by a different company, Throne Publishing, and I think it's going to be a really really good book in good shape. And I add chapters to it. It's called Echoes After Dark, which was the original. And this is Echoes After Dark, Here Comes the Dawn. So if you've got the original, you can make bookends. Good. (laughs) But what was it that uh, made you decide to update it and add to it? Again, all the requests I've had from people that couldn't find their old copy because it fell apart. And they'd forgotten quite a bit. And I know how that is. Uh, At our age, it's, why did I go in the kitchen? And it's just uh, they, they want to reread it again for memory purposes, and I understand that. It was a little hard for me because I had not read it again since I wrote it back in 1996. And going through it, uh, it was hard because I did go through quite a few things. You'll read about it in the book if you choose to get a new copy. And all the people that have passed away that were in that book uh, originally, and uh, we just talked about it earlier, but it's, it's insane how many people from that book have passed away, and many of them younger than me. So as we get older, and you know this too, one of the hardest things is, is losing people that we, we have fond memories of. Well, you're not that old, Tom. I'll be 70 in June, so. Well, that's a magic number. I'm, <laughs> I'm 76, but uh, there you go. <laughs> the, uh, the thing about it is there's not much we can do about it. But uh, we're lucky, I guess, you, you say on the other side of the coin, we're lucky that we're still living. Yes. I mean, I believe in, in a, our Father up above, and when my day comes, I'll be ready to go. I hope it's not soon. I have children and grandchildren and a loving wife, and I still have dogs, so I hope it's not soon. But reading about all the – rereading and, and bringing up all the ones from Steve Metley, the city planning director. It was a friend of mine, and then I met, got to meet a lot of uh, – a lot of people, Bob Gibson, the pitcher who passed away here, just all the people that have passed away that I had met and dealt with was probably the hardest part about doing the rewrite. A lot of cancer. Uh, heart attacks and cancer. Same in dogs? Uh, yeah, dogs, they don't get heart attacks as much, but they are very, very subject to, to getting cancer, especially depending on what you feed them and their conditions. And it's, it's hard on dogs, too. There's an increase in cancer, it seems like, in dogs and pets. It's A lot of it's dog food related. We can, uh, don't get into the details of that, but if you want to know, give me a call because dog food affects dogs more than people even begin to realize. We talked about it last year when, when I did the show with you, and it's very, very hard on dogs if they're not on decent food. When we go to the grocery store, we can't afford the good stuff. It's too expensive, mm-hmm. and prices are going up. Same for dog food. Uh, people sometimes opt for the cheapest they can get, but that's not what's good for your dog. No, and it's like I had a guy that told me that when I told him to get on a bit, little bit better food, and he said, well, I can't afford that. And I said, well, give it a shot. He did, and he called me about nine months later. He says, you know, I see the difference, and I haven't had to go back to the vet. So what I was using to spend at the vet, now I'm using on my dog food, and my dog's healthier, better, and will probably live longer. Well, I'm sure the dog appreciates it. Uh, <laughs> dog's happier. Are we seeing more dogs, dog owners uh, in, in apartments, I think, right now? There's more apartments that take dogs. Very, very difficult for a dog to be in an apartment because of the confinement and all the stimulus. Mm-hmm. And they get reactive instinctually, and it's it's hard on them. Again, I could help with that. But it's uh, if they have an area that they can get them outside in, that's better. 
but they're so restricted and there's not a lot of fenced in areas and we have the restrictions of leash laws and so many things. It's been nine years ago, almost to the day here, that I testified in front of the South Dakota House and Senate to start, they wanted to do a breed ban. Mm-hmm. And uh, I testified in front of the South Dakota how you shouldn't ban breeds. You no. punish individual owners mm-hmm. that don't know what they're doing with their dog, but you don't ban whole breeds. No, it, it's sad to see a cage in an apartment. Um, I wouldn't want to live that way. Of course, the cold weather, it's been harder to take them for walks, too. Yes. This so, weather has been, I've had more calls this year with dogs peeing in the house and chewing on things, and it's frustration because they're so restricted. Well, I take uh, as much as I can. Uh, Gizmo's kind of a favorite at the dog park. He, he's a terrier. He doesn't. He's not afraid of anything. Why. The big dogs like to bark at him, <laughs> and he barks right back. But uh, that's are we, yeah. He seems to know we're talking about. Him. But the uh, the thing is, um, what about uh, people buy? You know, you can buy chicken hearts at the store, real cheap, that kind of thing. That's good. Yep. As long as you don't give too much of them, it's too much. You have to limit it. If you're on a kibble, go ahead and give them the kibble, preferably Mm grain-free, and then uh, add some table scraps in. A lot of people have been brainwashed and not. You shouldn't feed table scraps. That's bogus. Um, Not just meat, though. Fruits, vegetables. There's a wide variety of things you can put in your dog food to be giving them 100% of what they need. A lot of that was propaganda from the the, food companies. Yeah, Yeah. They didn't want you doing that. Same as, as uh, electric cars, you know, uh, back in the old days. Uh, the the trolleys got replaced by the bus because of propaganda from General Mills, yep. you know, or General Motors. <laughs> but the uh, let's go back to your book. Go chapter through chapter on it. Uh, well, I don't have the details with me right now, but it starts off with, with me in going into that first nightclub. I was twenty five, just turning 25 years old. And I had no clue what I was doing. It started off, I was going to be a promotional manager uh, because they were struggling a little bit with getting crowds in the door. And within a month, we were had a line to get in the door. So he said, what do you make teaching school out of Baltic? And I told him, and he said, I'll double it. Well, being young and single at the time, I went double that. I, uh, I went for it. And uh, I liked going to bars. I didn't go every night, but I went two or three times a week to meet people I did like people back then and enjoyed talking with them and having fun and i thought might as well get paid to go there instead of me paying the bars to go there so we started off there um i talk about all that i went through there and it was a big nightclub on a weekend 11 to 1200 people on a friday and saturday night had walked through the doors and then i started doing a bunch of promotional stuff that had never been seen before that really brought people in it's discussed in detail in the book and we had crowds. I mean, we had all kinds of crowds. But when you have crowds and people drinking, you have incidents. And we had many many incidents. I had off-duty police officers that were my security, and thank heavens I did. And I'm still friends with many, many of them. They just were wonderful young men. And uh, we all kind of laugh about it now when we think back to the day. But uh, we had a lot of things go on. I went to court several times. Um, I got kidnapped at gunpoint. And uh, just a lot of things that went on. That was actually when I had after five that that went down. But I, I go through that. And then my nickname was Gunner from my basketball days. And we had a bar out on, on 12th Street called Gunners. And I talk about that whole thing. I wasn't even there a year uh, because I went and did after five downtown. And it's where the great outdoor store is at now. And uh, it was the old railroad depot. And uh, my favorite place that I, that I managed or owned 
I owned that, I built that, and I talk about all the things I went through there. A lot of it in that particular bar was good instead of bad. So I bring up uh, a lot of the people that, that went there that were became good friends, great memories, absolutely fantastic. But several chains came into town, and I'd been to Minneapolis and Denver and seen these chains, and I knew I couldn't compete with them. So Video Lottery came in, but I still sold out and became the, the part-time general manager out at Opie's. Opie's was the first place to have karaoke in Sioux Falls. Well, that's, he, uh, the owner brought in a machine and said, have you heard of this? I said, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it yet. And uh, he showed it to me, so I drove up to Minneapolis to a bar that had karaoke, and I went, yes. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we had karaoke contests right away then, and we paid pretty good money to the winners, but the guy that won the entire thing actually got a job out in California, and he's still out there. He just contacted me a few years ago, and uh, he got out there because of singing karaoke at Opie's. And they said it wouldn't last. They said it wouldn't last, and it's <laughs> still going on stronger than ever. Well, that was the very first karaoke in the whole city of Sioux Falls. You can put that down as a marker. Yeah. yeah. And the last bar I did here locally was uh, Steve Metley begged me, begged me to do Scarlett O'Hara's. I'm the one that named it Scarlett O'Hara's. He said, you're the only one that could do a gentleman's club. And I really, that wasn't my thing. But I thought, I'll give that a shot. So I uh, did it. It wasn't my thing. So after uh, a short while, I sold it to my best friend, and he just sold it here a year ago. Uh, my best friend has owned it for had, had owned it all the way from the time I sold it to him until then. But it just wasn't my thing. It's kind of funny because I made a deal with him when I sold it to him that I'd never have to pay a cover or buy a drink. And I was only in there two times after I sold it to him, and that was after his golf tournament. So uh, it's just kind of the way it is for me. And plus, my wife uh, that I'm married to would not marry me if I owned it, so I Mm -hmm. couldn't blame her for that. So I got out of that and decided I had enough of the bar business. You've been married how long? It'll be 29 years here in April. Well, a lot of people, you know, would name off their ex-wives. You can name your ex-dogs. You've been through, you've had how many dogs that... uh, Way too many. Uh, I just lost a shepherd here through... uh, now it'll be two and a half months now. And uh, he was born on our property. My wife birthed him. I was the second human he saw. And he and I had him trained by the time he was nine weeks old. He was so good with clients out there. Bicycle people drove by. They couldn't believe how good that shepherd was, a German shepherd dog. And he was my best friend. My wife travels quite a bit. In fact, I just put her on a plane today to go to Scottsdale for a horse show. And so uh, I was with him all the time. We have two rescues too, but I was with him all the time since he was born, and he and I were best friends. So as you talked about earlier, uh, losing a dog sometimes is, is even harder because people can reason through it. Dogs can't. And being with him in the, in the room when, when he went down, it was just, it was so hard. There really needs to be a, a pet uh, grievance uh, source or support group somewhere in Sioux Falls. I, you could probably find one. I, I just, uh, I'm pretty good at it because again, I have faith in God above, and just uh, sit down and realize someday I'll cross that Rainbow Bridge and He'll come running and see me again. Well, tell us a story of uh, the mob, the band. Uh, well, I really didn't deal with them that much. That was we, we were at disco. I'd seen them because I'd gone to the McComba Club as a as a customer. And uh, they were very, very popular. I think they were out of Denver. I want to say that they were out of Denver, but very, very good band. Ironically enough, another one that was really good was Johnny Holm. And I just saw him 
right up the street here at the El Riot last weekend. <laughs> and I hadn't seen him in years and years. And he was a really, really good band, too. We brought in quite a few different people. I loved live entertainment. So even though the trend had gone to disco, I still would bring, I should say, we would still bring uh, bands in and, and individuals in, and at times on off nights. And I loved that probably as much as I did anything. Well, there was a disc jockey at uh, a downtown station at that time that uh, got accused of payola. Uh, he gave a color TV to the band, and that was that. They said, "Well, that's that's the same as a, a you know giving him money," and he disappeared. Um, I went to a, a disco convention back in almost must have been six seventy nine in New York, and I ran into him, and I walked up to him and I said, "Aren't well?" I won't mention his name. Uh, I walked up to him and he looked at me. And he says, "Don't worry, I'm not him." <laughs> he ended up running uh, a bunch of discos in Phoenix. Oh my heavens! After that, uh, but there really was a thing about Piola back at that time, and and the mob was 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 the band was a part of it because color TVs back then were worth a lot of money. Yes, they were. Yeah. Well, now tell us today that kind of bar scene. Um, it's not the same, is it? Well, I'm not going to lie to you, John. The video lottery changed the bar scene quite a bit. Um, people would put their money into the machines, and then they'd go home early because they were broke. And I watched it uh, time after time. I like to play once in a while, but I keep it as entertainment. Mm -hmm. And I saw a lot of people that became addicted to it, terribly addicted to it. And the irony is when I sold After Five to the people that bought it from me, I made a deal with them that I got the revenue from the lottery because I hadn't been involved with it. For a year, and I'd gone to a seminar on it, and they, they talked about algorithms and how the machines are set up and payouts and all that kind of stuff. So I had a little bit, maybe a, a little bit more knowledge of it than a lot of people, but I saw damage done right mm -hmm. away. And I'm not going to mention any names here. I, the beginning of that book, it says, I changed the names to protect the guilty. Uh, and so I don't use a lot of real names except for famous people that people need to, that need to be recognized. But uh, I learned quickly that lottery, some people just didn't know how to deal with it properly. They would lose their business over it. They would spend way too much money that they didn't have. And it was a, kind of a sad deal. I had two different vendors that wanted me to do Gunners 1, Gunners 2, and Gunners 3. Maybe Gunners 4 or 5, the way it's going now. But uh, they said, you'll be retired in 20 years, Tom. And I went, I can't do it. I just, I, I can't do it again. I still play to this day, but I have limitations. And I cash out when I win because <laughs> I know the state got their money. I got my money. The vendor got his money. And that doesn't leave a lot left for John Doe. So that really changed, John, the scope of the bar business quite a bit. Um, people weren't staying out as late. They were putting a lot more money in that. And, it, and they were having their areas where the lottery machines were at. It just changed things quite a bit. I had a lot of DJ conventions in Las Vegas, and people said, well, how come you're not gambling? I, I said, I'm from South Dakota. I know better. Exactly. <laughs> we were the second state to have video lottery, so mm. Montana was first. I, we did find, we looked for, and we found, we said, okay, which is the, the, the biggest bang for your book as far as entertainment? And we found this old kind of antique uh, horse race gambling mechanical horse race type of gambling thing. So he put a dollar in it, and, you know, he can bet and win or whichever. But at least he got something out of it, you know. You got to yeah. see this horse race, you know. Yeah. Uh, is, but gambling is an addiction. 
it can be, not for everyone, but just like alcohol is not an addiction for everyone, but it can be for certain people. Drugs not for everyone, but it can be for certain people, and definitely uh, gambling. Well, after five is probably, you would say, your high spot then? For me, personally, it was a high spot, and I still have people to this day. In fact, a lot of the people that wanted me to do this rewrite were customers from after five that I bump into now. Do you remember me? No, but you drink Bacardi Coke, and they laugh. And uh, a lot of them <laughs> met and got married there. So mm-hmm. not married there, but married out of there after meeting their spouse there. And they just said, we really, you know, we lost our copy or it fell apart or whatever, and we'd love to reread that again. And so having all those people tell me that, uh, of course, social media, uh, a lot of people on social media now have said, Tom, you got to redo this book. you got to redo it and add chapters, add everything you've done. Because I want to be honest with you, I've gone through a couple things since then, not just dog behavior. That uh, is pretty interesting chapters in the book, too. Well, the new chapters, tell us about them. Well, it's all the things I've done since. I was in the bar business. I had a family entertainment center I did with a friend, and uh, I did Naps Alabama Barbecue. I uh, got into the dog business then. And then there's a a gentleman that got a hold of me many years ago, and he uh, wanted me to write a book about uh, someone here in town. He said, I've got a lot of information, files on him. And he offered me quite a bit of money and said they'd pay for the book and the publication and give me a percentage and offered me money up front, and I just couldn't do it. Again, I just I have my parameters. I, I didn't even didn't even sit down and pray about this one because I just knew I shouldn't do it. We had a, a business at the time. He approached me, and I was just getting into my dog behavior. I really had no desire at that time to do it. He got a hold of me multiple times over the year. He got information on another gentleman, so there's a whole chapter on that. There was enough information to write a whole book on that, and that's what they wanted me to do. But I just have one chapter on it. How many new chapters? How many are new chapters? Well, uh, I have talking there about COVID, and I put a couple of them together. But I five new chapters. Okay. In addition to the, have we talked about all of them? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's just generalization, and I don't want to get into detail because it's all in the book. Well, you know, like I say, things come full circle. What comes around goes around. After five, which is now a clothing store. Uh, the, the old railroad depot uh, has a dog park right next to it. I know that's uh, I know the Kirby, and <laughs> I talked to him. I said I wished I because I would let you bring I'd let people bring their dogs yeah, in now, yeah. and uh, I just love it. I love it, but it is kind of how things do come full circle. Yeah, I take Gizmo down there because they they let me bring him to work, so I bring him down there to get sure. get to pooped out before he comes to work. But yeah. uh, you know, th- there is such a thing as a dog society, and socialization yeah. is important. Uh, you may have room for them in your backyard or whichever, but take them to socialize with other dogs, to be a dog. Well, again, uh, I know we're here to talk about the book, but you, you talk about dogs. That's very important that you socialize them early. And even if you get a rescue, you have to show them you're the leader, you've got this, people are a good thing, not a bad thing, because they might have been abused. You never know what the rescue goes through. And we have to show them who the boss is, but in a natural way, not by shocking them, not by yelling at them. When you yell at a dog, you're doing two things. You're giving them attention for the very thing you don't want them to do. They don't. Well, they may stop for the moment. You may band-aid it, but they continue doing it. And then they often, if they're barking at a UPS truck and you yell at them, boy, that thing must be a threat. So <laughs> oh, then that's why UPS drivers and mailmen and kids on bikes get attacked because we've taught the dog they're a threat. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's why they should talk to you about uh, before they get a dog. Uh, yeah, Gizmo's only fifteen pounds, but uh, he doesn't. You know, he's 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 back to way St. Bernard's and 
knocked over a German Shepherd. And that, that's called small dog syndrome. <laughs> I'm going to show you I'm bigger than you think I am. He doesn't back down from anything. And, no. and one lady says, well, when's Gizmo coming back again? It's glad that he knocked my dog down a couple notches. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, he, you know, he's never bitten anybody or anything. He's a good he, dog. He's I can see him right now. He's a good dog. So. He's a terrier. And that's part of, you know, Jack Russell, whichever. That's high energy, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. What dog do you breed do you recommend for apartments? Um, smaller dogs, for yeah. sure. When you have a herding dog or a hunting dog, any dog like that, golden retrievers or shepherds or any dog, it's really tough on them because they're restricted in what they're instinctually meant to do. Now, you can control that. and You can get them out and exercise them and stuff like that. But the confinement and the limitations in, a, in an apartment or a townhome even is tough. That being said, my son just moved into another new townhome, and he's got a German shepherd, and it's probably the best German Shepherd in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He's such a good dog. He's good with little dogs. He's good with people, kids, everything. And, and it doesn't bother him. That's all he's known. And so if you train him properly, and I hope my son would be able to train him properly with all that he's seen me do, then you can get a, even a bigger dog adapted to uh, that environment. It's just uh, you showing them who the boss is and what you're going to tolerate. Is it possible to take a uh, Army retired dog and retrain them to be uh, civil. You can teach an old dog new tricks, and you can take those kind of dogs. You just have to change the dynamic, and you're not doing that job anymore. That's not your job anymore, and it's a little more work. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a little more work, but it can be done. They can run pretty fast, can't they? Yes. <laughs> you can't outrun them. And I can't do it anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tom, now the, the book's name is? Echoes After Dark, and then the added part is Here Comes the Dawn. And what leads me to the end, and I talk a little bit about COVID in there and what it's done to people and dogs, for that matter, and uh, just kind of what where I'm at in life. I'm I'm kind of retiring now from running our resort. Always going to do my dog behavior. You've talked about it here, John. It's my passion in life, and I get an adrenaline rush with everyone I do. Not so much. I take the dog right away, and the, within ten minutes, the dog's going, "Wow, this guy knows what he's doing." But it's when the light bulb goes off in the human's head that gives me the adrenaline rush because I know we got a chance and to get this all fixed. Any issue, any dynamic, whether you're just getting basic behavior done or whether they have a major issue, aggression. I've taken over 200 dogs that were going to be euthanized mm. for aggression, and uh, we fixed all but a, but a few of them. And the few that we didn't fix, we put in what we call management mode. But what I want to do now uh, the rewrite on this has sparked me to just want to write books. So I'm going to do another one after I get this one. It'll probably be out in April here. Uh, I can tell people how to, how to get a Yeah, how do you get the book? Well, um, it's going to be out, and you'll be able to get it anywhere. But if you'd like to get a copy in advance, a signed copy that I'll mail to you, just contact me on Facebook Messenger, or you can, and I'm going to throw this out there, even though you probably shouldn't, uh, my number is 605-261-8622. Just text me, and then I'll tell you what to do. I don't want to do it here on air, but I'll tell you what to do to get a copy sent to you, signed personally by me, and how to do it then. We make a podcast out of these. We'll put the number in there so people can look it up uh, after the program. Sure. But uh, you got a lot of – we did a program a year ago, like we said, about COVID and dogs, and a lot of people tell you they, they hurt you, right? Yep. It was amazing. Uh, put it on Facebook and, and got the marketing going on it. And uh, 
I, I really was doing it more for you than me at that time but because of the dog behavior end of it. And I got quite an influx of business from that too then. A lot of calls. What can you recommend to people? Everybody's got a story that they, they'd like to write their memoirs uh, and never do. It's not that hard to write a book once you get started, is it? Uh, it depends on the person. and the I've always been a writer and people that follow my Facebook stuff know that and talk to me about it all the time. Yeah. But uh it's it's once you begin the process, it becomes a little easier because memories pop back into your head and you just flow with it. The second book I'm going to write is Tales from a Simple Man. It's uh, it's going to be stories from my life. I've got a wonderful memory and I put a lot of it. I've got it, in fact, I've got a page called Tales from a Simple Man and people follow that. And I just tell stories from my past and stories from things I've done. Uh, not like the book. The book's a little more detailed. And the book talks about some of the drama a little more. And this is more a lot of pleasant things that have happened, different things that have gone on and in the world and in my life. And that's going to be book number two that I write this summer. Where are you on Facebook? Uh, Tom, how do you spell your last name? Let them know. G-U-N-L-I-C-K-S. Gunnucks. And like I say, known as Gunner. Uh, Who did you play basketball for besides hockey? Uh, just... I sponsored teams for years. So we would travel to independent tournaments all the way. I mean, in Tales of a Simple Man, I'll have a couple stories about that. Down at Okaboji where there were, it was me and a bunch of friends and some guys that played basketball for Drake. And I had already been uh, gone from Augie, but they came and they wanted to play basketball. And whoever won had to buy a keg of beer and by gosh, we beat them. So they were like, man, you guys aren't even in college, you know what I mean? <laughs> so well, they were kind of mumbling. But we, we almost need to add another hour here, Tom. Our, our time is up, but uh, again, they can find you on uh, Facebook, and your book will be out in April. Thank you very much for being with us on Thank Forum. you again, John. Enjoy it.